The PBS NewsHour podcast is supported in part by Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. What if we could block a protein to stop runaway cell division? Dana-Farber Cancer Institute laid the foundation for CDK4-6 inhibitors, drugs designed to treat many advanced breast cancers. Learn more at DanaFarber.org slash everywhere. Observances were held across the world over the weekend for the annual International Holocaust Remembrance Day. Fred DeSam Lazaro has the story of one effort to preserve and honor the music performed by prisoners in orchestras that were a fixture in the concentration camps. His report is part of our arts and culture series, Canvas. This is a concert uh, about music and Jewish identity, in particular my own an unlikely theme, perhaps, in a Minneapolis Lutheran church, but coming just days after October 7th, as violence erupted in the Middle East, violist Kenneth Freed said, a timely one. This is a particularly painful and perilous time for all of us. The works performed by the Minnesota-based Isles Ensemble ranged widely, a viola and piano duet of the prayerful Kol Nidre, and various works highlighting Jewish experience and musical influence. The string quartet by Felix Mendelssohn, for instance, with a classic Jewish folk song embedded. Then there was one medley that didn't quite fit in, or did it? Here's how it was introduced. This music you're going to hear is utterly shocking in its banality. Heads up, it's charming cafe music. he added until you realize that it was arranged by members of the orchestra at Auschwitz, performed by prisoners for the entertainment of Nazi SS guards at the camp, guards apparently briefly setting aside their loathing of the prisoner musicians. I, I can't even imagine. Let's put it aside for a Sunday afternoon and we'll pretend that we have this relationship that isn't based on ethnic cleansing. <laughs> jarring the cheerful upbeat tempo and titles of these pieces this tango was called a dream of Haiti to provide more context or perspective during their performance it was punctuated by testimonies from the diaries of the prisoners this entry was read by cellist Laura Sewell the smoke from the crematorium really annoyed my colleagues. It was polluting the air, and it was hard to see the notes. It's unimaginable. Some of those quotes, I can't see the notes, but at least I get to play. I mean, I get to live another day, right? And the reason I can't see those notes. And the reason I can't see, because the crematorium is, is you know, bellowing smoke from, from dead Jews. The original manuscripts, the musical arrangements used by the Minnesota Ensemble, 
reside permanently in the museum at Auschwitz today, but they were first brought out into the world a few years ago here at the University of Michigan School of Music. I mean, I personally could not write a manuscript uh, that is as neat as these are. Patricia Hall is a professor of music theory. In 2018, she discovered hundreds of manuscripts at the Auschwitz Museum, popular German songs of the 30s and 40s, arranged and adapted by prisoners for the camp orchestras. This prisoner took the time to create this symbol of a bird out of musical symbols. In Nazi death camps, being selected to play music was a much preferred assignment, an alternative to backbreaking labor. Still, it was a precarious existence. There was a particularly sadistic guard at the camp who would take prisoners out of the orchestra and take them to block 11 and shoot them. So there's one anecdote of one of the musicians estimating that up to 50 musicians were executed in this way. Just on a whim of the guard watching them? Yeah, just a whim. You see this number, 5665, and through that number we have this photograph. This is Antony Gargoul. Hall selected a representative sample of 10, foxtrots, tangos, and waltzes, some with vocals, to reproduce for modern-day performance, trying to stay faithful to how they would have sounded in the camp. With the university ensemble under conductor Oriel Sanz, the music was performed and recorded here in Ann Arbor. I was extremely careful about retaining exactly the, the instrumentation. I thought these pieces were going to sound really quirky. I, I couldn't believe how beautiful they sounded. I was completely surprised. Another surprise, audience reaction. She'd originally planned to simply archive these recordings in the university's music library, figuring they'd be too painful to hear. But Hall says there was strong interest in subsequent concerts, including one at New York's Museum of Jewish Heritage. And it piqued the interest of musicians like Ken Fried and the Isles Ensemble. A lot of people, I think, were, were almost reluctant to, to applaud in a sense. I felt that too, you know, until we stood up and it was like, I guess we should. But what are we clapping for here? In the church basement post-concert, Fried saw how the music had taken the audience, as he put it, to a new dimension. I, I, I don't cry, and that stuff from the camps had me in tears. I just have chills. Playing the music would have been one thing, but, but, but really putting those quotes in it, you know, so, so you really did imagine yourself as in the camp. That's kind of the reason I did today's concert. It was to provide context to, because you feel music before you start to think about it.
music drawn for this concert from the historical breadth of Jewish tradition, he said, offered as medicine in a world racked by conflict. For the PBS NewsHour, I'm Fred DeSam Lazaro in Minneapolis. And Fred's reporting is a partnership with the Undertold Stories Project at the University of St. Thomas in Minnesota.